Seventh Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod, the official beer and hockey podcast of Seventh Avenue Pizza. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of MNCAA. I'm your host, Nick Maxson. It is a week one roundup, and we do have just about everybody in the house today besides uh, the Huskies, which that's fine for some St. Thomas fans. I would say they're absent on half of the games anyway. Um, so with us, Lucas covering uh, the Beavers. We have Marissa covering Minnesota State, as well as Alex Micheletti, Ryan covering St. Thomas, and Max Beach covering that team up by their iron range but that's okay um guys how are we doing um again mid-october and um we'll start out with this because uh there's not a ton of college hockey talk just yet there's a little bit of a recap but the twins what in the hell was that for a game three performance i don't want to talk about it <clears throat> well when alex kirloff couldn't you know get that uh you know catch that ball at first you know and then uh you know they were doomed from from there and then you know they get give up the three run bomb and it's it's four nothing after the first inning and that just kind of deflates uh all the home crowd it, yeah it was it was tough alex when you you tweeted out earlier that why are they pitching to jordan alvarez um i'm not an elite baseball mind i know some of it but at some point you know is there a bit of respect to a batter where you know you don't want to almost not pitch to him but also understand that if you are maybe don't put it somewhere where he can hit yeah, I, it was absolutely ridiculous. I can't, I know analytics is such a big deal in, in baseball. I put that tweet out too, but they, they can't be saying, oh, it's a good idea to pitch to him. But at some point you have to give him the Barry Bonds treatment that, you know, you know, he's just an elite, elite hitter. Um, and if first base is open, you'd rather give up only one base than, than two or a home run like he did today. And uh, just like the previous game, he hit a home run too. So yeah, it's just tough. No Max, I, I saw you chomping at the bit a bit earlier, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get your comments here because I mean, Sonny Gray, right? Yeah, I actually thought coming into this game that the Twins were in kind of in a good spot here. Uh, should have been guy, right? Should have been, and then all of a sudden, uh, he just does not have his stuff, and it was obvious in the first inning from uh, everything that I've read. Again, I didn't get a chance to watch the game in its entirety, but you know, tough spot for the Twins too, and management when. You know, a guy that you were very comfortable with having start and maybe felt like you had a pitching edge to just simply, for whatever reason, just was not up to the task. Yeah, he left a couple hanging out there. You guys talked about it before in terms of the pitches and the choices that were being made there. But like in the end, when you give up a three run hit after a homer to start, it's just like, I mean, what what are we doing here? And then it just got worse from there. And so my spins on, on the whole thing is they got all their runs out today. So that the next two games we get we get the ball and we can score some runs finally, and then uh, you know hopefully that's that's going to be enough at least to make it back to Houston. I hope so. Uh, they're going to have to get through Joe Ryan, which oh boy, um, yep. I'm a little nervous for. Going to say this way, um, you know they didn't go to him for the first game start. That was pretty telling. Uh, pretty much avoided him again uh, in the AL uh, the well the wild card essentially. So. Yeah, this is this is going to be quite the battle. Uh, but I will tell you this: if they get to Game Five, Lopez versus Verlander may be some. Uh, wow, that might be some pitching magic. Uh, but guys, we're not here to talk 
all baseball, despite all the, the tears and everything else crying from Minneapolis. But um, that's actually what's day in Minneapolis. Ryan Stig, let's uh, let's start with overreaction Tuesday. And I want to talk this from the St. Thomas perspective, because uh, you had to be if a fan of the Tommies liked what you saw this weekend, as opposed to maybe some other team that we cover here on this channel. If you are a St. Thomas fan, you got to be ecstatic what the weekend happened. I mean, it. yeah, it would have been nice to get the sweep for Tommy's fans, but they played well in both games. They felt the flow very well. They pulled the upset. And you can make the case that maybe it wasn't as big of an upset as maybe people thought just because of what the Tommies did in the offseason. Got some good uh, freshmen coming in, some good transfers. But it was great setup playing overtime and then – you know, even Sunday's game, it was 1-0, but the Tommies played good defense. Trotter was great in net. It was just a good play by uh, the St. Cloud player and stole the puck, raced on the boards, made a nice move, and Trotter was kind of helpless on that one. So if you're a Tommies fan, you got to be really happy with what happened. They really made a statement, I think, this past weekend, like – we're a different team. We're not the D3 team that's transitioning. We're not the team that kind of is a mashed up roster. This is a team of good players that is ready to take that next step. And the guys even said themselves, they said, we're tired of being seen as the underdogs. Everybody thinks we're an underdog in every game and uh, they know they're not. And um, I'm sure Rico had some thoughts on it. I wasn't able to be in the presser today, but I'm sure he had thoughts on the underdog thing too. So it, uh, yeah, if you're a Tommy's fan, you got to be very happy with right now. Apparently, that post uh, that post game space is sacred space, right, Ryan? Or is that what he called it? Uh, uh, I, <laughs> that wasn't Rico. That was that was uh, somebody else. But okay. Yes. <laughs> um, I want to open this up. Open this up to the group a bit, just because again, St. Thomas Year Three. We talked about at some point how St. Thomas would eventually start to turn heads. Right? Granted, this is overreaction first weekend. Uh, but anybody else in the group feel surprised about St. Thomas's performance or? Should we be that surprised? We shouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, <clears throat> Rico really hit on the on the transfer portal this uh, this past off season. You know, they uh, you take a look at Friday night. Ryder Donovan, uh, Wisconsin transfer, gets the game winner. Um, so uh, I think he was assisted by another Wisconsin transfer in uh, Liam Mal Malmquist. So uh, yeah, they did a really good job uh, recruiting um, in the off season, and um, you know, even though you know it's unfortunate that they can't make uh, the NCAA tournament because they're still in the transition to D1, which it, it makes no sense now that they've been, you know, now multiple seasons and that that should go away. It's too too bad that the petition hasn't gone through yet, but I don't think we should be surprised. And uh, with the new rink coming, uh, that's huge because, you know, players love everything new. So um, they're only going to get better. Anybody else have thoughts on the Tommies? I mean, I said this last year, but they're just gonna it's gonna take a couple of years, obviously, and now we're seeing that come to fruition. Um, I think that nobody should be surprised. Like Alex said, they did a lot of recruiting in the offseason. They packing a punch and it's St. Thomas. It's kind of like the Arizona State. They've got money. People are going to go and people are gonna wanna go because they have the nice things, they have the money. Um, and they're gonna be good. And especially with, I'm sorry to say this, but with Minnesota State in this situation, obviously with rebuilding, there's going to be some new people. And then obviously the Austin Swankler thing coming out as well. Like the CCHA is up for grabs and who's going to want to take it and who's going to take initiative. I think you can fully anticipate St. Thomas taking over. 
So uh, let's stay on the recruiting uh, sort of topic because uh, uh, Alex Luke Strand. Um, let's just say that is he just trying to beat St. Thomas to the punch because of all like the 07s and you know there's been a lot of talk about you know how many he's had on his campus. Now, granted, none of them has signed an NLI yet, so I'm just going to put that out right away. Um, but at the end of the day, Alex, um, it didn't help you score any goals this last weekend. So what the heck happened there? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the ex- exhibitions you can't take anything out of that. It's like. I got into it on on Twitter too about Arizona State playing a club team uh, in Arizona and beating them sixteen to nothing. It it's an absolute joke. Uh, you can't really take exhibitions uh, too seriously, but you should not. You shouldn't also be playing club teams. So, um, but uh, you kind of you use it as just uh, as a test to get everybody out there to play because you can play more guys. Um, you can play all your goalies. Um, so it was uh, 0-0 going into the third period, late into the third period, and uh, they had um, the third goalie in, Andrew Miller, who gave up a, a softy, uh, so it ended up one nothing. But they out, I think the the shots were 38-13, to something like that. So um, new coach and the, the same system of not giving up a ton of shots uh, continues uh, in Mankato. So... Hopefully that's a sign of more things to come because uh, you know St. Cloud I think is um, is even better than Omaha. So yeah, you just kind of take it with a grain of salt. Uh, you know, it's a team that um, has to get used to playing with each other. And uh, from the looks of it, uh, you know, the top line of uh, Luke Wilson, Moravac, um, and Isley, um, you know, they they put on a show. They just couldn't score. So you know, hopefully, hopefully they do that when the games count uh, this upcoming weekend. And uh, yeah, we'll see uh, to be determined on who plays goal because um, Luke Strand uh, said in the um, in the media day for CCHA that Keenan Rancier had off-season hip surgery that no one no one knew to, knew about. Kevin Dudley, the beat uh, beat writer, had no clue that uh, Keenan had surgery. So. Uh, Keenan didn't play um, in the exhibition, so who knows if he's going to be healthy or not. But uh, you know, Alex Tracy looked good through uh, through two periods, so we'll see if it's a bounce back uh, season for him. We'll have to be because the last I heard, the Omaha netminder is pretty damn good. Um, <laughs> in fact, you know, the scouting report says he's really really good so we'll yeah. see slovak, um, yeah. yeah slovak too mm-hmm. so um, apparently they've been turning out some good goaltending prospects out there in the eastern part of europe uh, max veach knows all about goaltending prospects especially with the bulldogs although um goaltending wasn't the issue for the bulldogs this past season it's not and speaking of club teams no i'm kidding michigan tech is not <laughs> a club team um, but how the heck do you tie 2-2 with the huskies um this is how umd gave up another third period lead and then it was just they played back as good as they were the rest of the game to finish out the game so it's just like they cannot finish it out so that's a bad carryover from last season i was really hoping that they would kind of remedy and it doesn't seem like they've done it yet but going into that michigan tech was a higher rated seed nine or ten in the pair or not pairwise in the in the national rankings and umd was down at 17 in both so coming out with a tie, while it is at home, in my opinion, is a win for them. To start the season on that note to say, hey, I can keep up with the top 10 team in the nation, that's totally fine with me. They didn't have an exhibition game to work kinks out or any of that stuff. They figured it out on, the, on their own. They are already getting screwed by the ref, so let's start that narrative early. <laughs> Here we they go. had two power plays versus five for Michigan Tech. If you watched the game, it was dead even the entire time. So 
overcoming that and ending up in a tie with a quote unquote better team. I, I'm okay with it. I'm not happy with it, but I'm okay with it. So, so Max, what was the referee scorecard? Because, you know, we have the umpire scorecards <laughs> now, you know, where, you know, the, the balls are should have been strikes and vice versa. They have one team gets favored. Uh, so you're telling me that it continues from 2022 to 23. The Bulldogs seem to be in the losing of the referee battle. What was the referee scorecard in this one? You know what? The the UMD boys have a little bit more weight to throw around now. So it's a, the, all the hits just seem a little bit more chaotic and a little bit more deadly out there. So um, they just got to rein in a couple of smaller things that were penalties, hand up, um, and then some were not, in my opinion. So one, once that's all figured out, it's all good. Um, I don't think that Stayskill had any major flubs. Um, the, the one goal or the second goal that he gave up was like a, a high chance breakaway. So I, I can't really fault him for that one. And it's like, he played great otherwise. I mean, he's, he came away with like a 9-4-1 save percentage. I don't remember what it was uh, offhand. I think it was 33 shots that he saved. Um, but good, good showing from him. So I'm, I'm not really concerned about that right now. That wasn't the issue. Um, it was just a matter of being able to close a game out again. And it, it's not like UMD looked bad doing it either. I mean, they had 50 shots. They controlled the puck for the majority of the time. They, they were in control of that game. They just let them come back in late, and it was too late to do anything about it. Well, that's poetic. Thanks, Max. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, well, let's go up to Lucas for Bemidji. Um, you definitely were not playing a club team. And even if you were, um, that's still a pretty good roster. Uh, yes, we're talking about Gophers in Bemidji State. Um, Lucas, there's no question that Bemidji you know, plays a, you know, a, a style that's defense first and, and against a high-flying uh, Gophers team. Five to two loss. Although there's some positives you can take from this one, right? Yeah, I mean, I thought Bemidji State actually came out of the gate hot and, and ready to play. I mean, they really controlled that first period against the Gophers. Um, I, I think Tom Territory would kind of disagree with you regarding the style of play. I, I don't think Bemidji State as a, is as defensive as they have been in previous years. If you look at the last couple of seasons, and they're scoring three plus goals a game, um, but also giving up three plus goals a game, unfortunately. Um, you know, first period though uh, this weekend was or Sunday was was good. Um, Beavers outshot Gophers ten to four. Uh, Matias Scholl looked really good in that. Didn't have a lot of opportunities to touch the puck, but made a big save on a on a two on one late in the first. Um, talent took over in the end. Gophers definitely outplayed them in the second. Uh, Major State started start taking too many penalties. Um, ended up killing all all nine minutes of penalties in the game, so that was good to see. Um, and, and got a couple of consolation goals laid on, on some nifty little plays. So, And uh, you know, he, he can disagree with me all he wants. He's only like 15 years behind the curve where, you know, it's got to be, you know, what is it, the 1-2-2 uh, the two, two neutral zone trap and then, you know, basically the, the last CC remnants of that playing style. I totally kid. I'm not kidding. Yeah. So uh, with that being said, guys, let's open up for a little discussion here because, you know, this is the part of the college hockey fan base that everybody loves, right? Where there's optimism, there is hope. But of all the six teams, and anybody can jump in, is there one that says this is going to be the big dog besides the Gophers? Because I think they're the clear number one favorite. And two, who may be the team that we might see close to the bottom? Don't jump in all at once. <laughs> I don't want to go first. <laughs> Since That's Marissa, a, I'm going to call no, you out. No, yes. no, she spoke, she spoke no. You spoke. Oh, you're, no, no, Marissa, no, 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 no. You, I'm you not going not, first. You, I can you go. I can go. Large in stature, but your voice is loud. So now is your time to, to prove it. I think, I mean, I just think 
with this, with this season, other than the Gophers for the Minnesota teams, they're all kind of in the same pack. Um, there's no, uh, you know, other than the Gophers, there's not an elite team. Um, and there's, uh, you know, some teams in kind of in transition mode. Uh, you take a look at, you know, Mankato, whole new coaching staff. We don't have any idea what to expect. Uh, I, I can't say, I know there's a lot of talk out there that they're just going to bottom out. We, we don't, we have no idea. Um, and, uh, Luke Strand, you know, he comes with a lot of pedigree. So, um, I, I, especially from for those paying attention. Yeah. He looks exactly like Mike Hastings. Um, but, uh, you know, like in his, um, his quotes, he said, over my dead body, are we going (laughs) to be at the bottom? You know, he was, he's fired up and there's a lot of guys with chips on their shoulders. So. I'm not expecting them to bottom out. And, um, you know, Bemidji has a great recruiting class coming in. Heck, they might have a kid be on a world junior team. Who would have ever imagined? Mm-hmm. Uh, so pretty cool for Tom Seratori to, uh, you know, get a um, you know a guy like like that up there to Bemidji. And, uh, uh, you know, you, the Bulldogs are going to be fired up uh, after not making the you NCAA don't have to be tournament. Nice, it's fine. He's, he, he's he is a big being boy. very nice. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm being serious. It just, it, uh, <laughs> You know, there's a lot of teams kind of all grouped together here, uh, and uh, you have a St. Thomas team that is is really improving, and in St. Cloud, um, they're always going to be right there. They're always going to be in the mix. Uh, Brett Larson's one of the best uh, coaches in the country. Um, you know, Wisconsin almost took him there, so you know how highly regarded he is, and uh, yeah, it's going to be. All these teams are going to be, except for St. Thomas. Too bad is uh, going to be fighting to to make the NCAA tournament. And I think, uh, you know, Bemidji and Mankato are going to be, you know, those, those games are the, the most fun to watch in the CCHA. They're always close. There's always chaos as we've seen in the, in the CCHA tournament. So I'm expecting more of the same uh, this upcoming season. Well, Ryan, I haven't heard from you in a bit. And uh, I don't know if you're just trying to avoid me because I, I feel like that's what it is. Uh, but I mean, honestly, I mean, and the reason why I'm going to reframe the question a bit is because, I, you know, it's it's good. I think Alex does have a point where I think a lot of the Minnesota teams are sort of in the same tier, right? Would we ever would have thought going in before this weekend with St. Thomas's performance that the Tommies would have been up at that level? I mean, it's kind of a good thing they were going weak don't really know who's going to be good or bad because at the end of the day, these teams are all talented in their own sort of unique way. And see, Thomas has had, shall I say, a meteoric rise after between years two and three, at least on paper. And granted, it's still early, but am I onto something or am I just in my old brain going nowhere with it? I have no idea. I, I think with St. Thomas there, uh, as Alex was talking about how everybody's fighting for a spot in the tournament. I think St. Thomas is going to be fighting for home ice and probably just respect in general, because like I said earlier, they don't see themselves as an underdog anymore. I think they're made a good statement so far. And I think a performance against Minnesota this weekend will really kind of get into people's heads and really start to get them to take notice of them if they haven't uh, paid attention to them so far. But yeah, it's a little bit of a meteoric rise. I mean, it. Uh, I think they took a nice step from year one to year two. Um, and then so far, they're looking good so far, but it's only the opening weekend. But yeah, to go from a bunch of D3 players to 
what they have now, what there's a lot of good transfers. They get, first game against St. Cloud, the transfers were the big people who, you know, contributed to the offense. So yeah, it's they've come a long way in a very short period of time. And uh I think you might be tempted to put them in the in the sixth spot of all the Minnesota schools, but right now I'd say they're could fight for fifth, maybe as high as fourth. You know, it's uh they're getting closer and getting better each each week, I think. So let's switch gears a bit, guys, just because, uh, again, this is the first weekend. It's not like, you know, shall we say there's a lot of substance that we have, right? But I want to talk about the top three teams that are ranked uh, so far this year. And so I know Max is actually going to, you know, give me some good feedback here. So, in fact, no, let's go top five. Uh, so BU is at number one, Minnesota number two, Denver at three, Boston College at four, Quinnipiac, the reigning national champions at five. Um, do we agree or disagree with these rankings? Anybody can chime in. I think it's interesting that uh, BU is still ranked top ranked after almost losing to Bentley and they're open. That, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's an insane thing, just <laughs> given what's what else has gone on. Denver went up to Alaska, and I get it's Alaska. They were a borderline tournament team last year, and they took care Should of business. Been a tournament team. Exactly. Yes. In Alaska, BU struggled, and I mean struggled against Bentley. Sure, they looked good with poise with the puck, this, that, and the other thing, but they let Bentley hang around, and it was a close game the entire time. You would expect, if you're the number one team in the nation playing a bottom 12, maybe bottom 20 if you're going to be generous to them, team that you're just going to throttle them. And that's not at all what happened. So that's my one massive question mark and kind of like red flag as to who might be a quote-unquote fraud. They're still a great team. They're going to finish top five. Don't twist that any other way. But to have them still number one right now after that showing, questionable in my opinion. Quinnipiac losing to Boss or to... Uh, uh, is, that's another one where it's just like, I picked that as a, a smart gambling person. I picked the BC upset there. Of course. I don't yeah, think that shot. people that should smart. have been... Yeah, I don't think people should have been giving Quinnipiac as much continued credit as they do. Graf is still there. I get it. But when you lose Perez, it's insane. Mm-hmm. And their defensive play and limited shots and all this other stuff is going to carry them in the tournament again, or into the tournament again. But like, they have serious question marks when it comes to being able to play with high caliber teams moving forward. So one in five in those are, are my biggest question marks as to how they're still ranked where they are. Okay, it's not just Mac, the Mac Schmitz show. So I haven't talked in a while. Um, Go ahead, so I think obviously I agree with everything that, that Max is saying, but one of the biggest things with the rankings and everything like it's I never put too much credence into it because of with the rankings because I'm like okay it's like week one whatever but one of the biggest things is like when you have a defending national champion like Winnipeg it was the same thing like when Minnesota State went into UMass and then like beat them and then swept them like banner night and stuff it doesn't necessarily shock me because it's a new year it's a new season everything's happening but I just felt like also this like despite like the top five like this week of college hockey or the opening weekend was crazy because of the overtimes and you know the upsets and um all of these different things but i don't know i don't personally put too much like credence into top five i don't know if that's because like my castings and all the guys beat it into my freaking head every time i interviewed them i was like what do you think about this and they're like we don't care about that. But I guess that's just my biggest thing is I it's just college hockey. It's week one. These are gonna ha- these things are gonna happen, but I disagree with everything that Max is saying. 
but I don't know. I don't look too much into like top five, top this, top that right off the bat because it doesn't matter until the fat lady sings at the end of it all. That was way, I feel like that was way dark. Okay. Okay. Well, your room is dark. So (laughs) I thought it was like, whoa, wait a minute. There's still three weeks before Halloween, Marissa. So get with the program. Um, Alex, let's. I'm going to kind of pinpoint this more in your direction. BCBU, right? Uh, they have yeah. had a, a nice resurgence in those two programs, right? Oh, yeah. In the past five, six, seven years, it's been sort of a, you could say, down for these legacy programs. But now, yeah. if you look around the uh, national development programs and Team USA, it's like there's BC Eagle and BU signs all over those uh, roster spots when they're out. Um, Yikes. And I think there's a reason that they're in the top five, both of them. And despite all the, you know, shall we say love, <clears throat> no, not love at all, that we give uh, the teams on the East Coast, uh, these are formidable schools. And if there's any two in that top five that you have to be worried about, in my opinion, as you go through the season, it's those two. Am I, am I onto something? Oh, 100%. Uh, BC by far is the most talented team in the country. I think, I think they're even, they have more talent than the Gophers. Uh, yeah. You, you mentioned the uh, national development team. I mean, they had their t- entire top line uh, from last season uh, join this year. Uh, you know, Will Smith is an absolute stud top, you know, you know, top pick uh, in the draft by San Jose. Um, you look at Ryan Leonard, Cutter got Gautier. I mean, they are just absolutely loaded. Now, the thing you worry about BC is, are they too young? You know, when it comes to March and April, are the young guys going to you know show up and, uh, you know, because playoff, uh, playoff hockey, we know is a different, uh, different breed. Uh, you know, the refs put away the whistles. It gets a lot more physical. So we'll see, see if the young guys Next can handle gave you a big smile. The, the refs put away the whistles. <laughs> <laughs> That's why UMD does so well in the postseason. Oh my God. So, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm so excited to see how the season plays out for uh, BC. BU is going to be right there. They have the number one pick in the draft and Macklin Celebrini. So uh, it'll be really fun to, fun to see, see that because and uh, we don't see a lot of number one picks play college hockey. So, um, it's always it's always fun to see that uh, in Denver. I mean, we'll look out for Denver. David Carl, no matter what, it seems like you know, he, they're always loaded. So um, and when you play, I think NCHE is the best uh, conference in college hockey. Thanks. And when you can get get through that uh, gauntlet, uh, you know, it sets you up well for the postseason, as we uh, uh, have seen from Veach's team over the years. Um, so uh, those are uh, my top three. Uh, for sure. So last discussion question before we wrap up uh, this abbreviated episode. And again, thank you to all of their contributors for coming on after a twins loss. And I guess we're, we're trying to act happy and uh, like nothing else is wrong in Minnesota sports. So um, we're going to talk about the Gophers in this last segment, just because I think again, number two team coming into the season, there's still plenty of talent on this roster. Uh, but guys, here's the big question. They lose Logan Cooley um, to, and then all of a sudden, uh, Cole Eiserman all of a sudden flips his commitment over to BU. The question I have for you guys is, even without Logan Cooley, and uh, they have Oliver Moore this year, a Chicago Blackhawks draft pick, which him and uh, Connor Wild. are going to be ruining our nightmares for the Wild fans in about two or three years, <laughs> which is going to suck. But um, I digress. Uh, the question is, do, do the Gophers have enough talent and enough depth to make another run at a national title this year? And why? Yeah, I think they do. Um, and 
you, you take a look at, uh, I mean, you still have Jimmy Snuggerud. I think he's going to be right in the mix there for Hobie Baker. So anytime you have an elite player like that, uh, you know, they can, they can carry you to a frozen four and, you know, the Gophers are motivated to, you know, if they make it to the frozen four, it's at the X. So they, they would by far have the most fans there. Um, and they wouldn't have to get on a plane to get there, um, which is which is huge. Um, and you know they have one of the best coaches in the country in Bob Motzko. Uh, the only thing you worry about them is Justin Close. Can he complete the deal? Um, he can get get the team there, but can he win the big one? Um, that that's yet to be remain to be seen. Um, we'll we'll see if he can get it done this year. But uh, you know they they had guys come back for a fifth year. You don't really usually see that, um, or an extra year. Um, you know, getting a guy like uh, Brodzinski to come back, and I think Jackson Nelson's one of the most underrated players in college hockey. He does so much for that team. He wins faceoffs. He's one of the best faceoff guys in the Big Ten, um, and a great leader. Uh, small Southern town Minnesota uh, guy. So it's really cool to see. Uh, you know, you know him be on the Gophers because. You don't see a lot of a lot of guys from Southern Minnesota being on there, so um, yeah, that's that's why they have great leadership. But can can Justin Close get it done? We'll, we'll see. Last follow up question, and anybody but Alex needs to chime in on this. Sorry. If there is a Minnesota team that could be the roadblock for the Gophers getting to the Final Four, which Minnesota team is the biggest potential challenger? I'm going to let somebody else answer, but I have a qualifying question (laughs) to this. Oh my gosh, no. Are they going to do the same thing that they did last year and put all the Minnesota schools in one quarterfinal? Or are we Mm going to kind of spread the love around here and uh, and make it back? That's a great question. Let's just assume, Max, that it is a regional final that where these teams meet because uh, the NCAA um, overlords want to, uh, you know, avoid as many Minnesota teams in the frozen four. Like what was it in 2021? It was, uh, it was uh, Mankato Duluth, and St. Cloud. Yeah. And yep. somehow UMass comes out with that. UMass wins it. Yeah. I, in, in, yeah. But they're like, this is not good for ratings anyway. Um, so let's just say this, it's a regional semifinal. It's the last two Minnesota teams. One is the Gophers. The other one is whom. And of that, other team who has the biggest chance to upset the Gophers to make that run to this year in St. Paul? Probably. I was going to say St. Cloud is my pick. I was going to say the same thing, obviously, because Mankato is just out of it. I I would be shocked if they won the CCHA this year. Um, I would be shocked if they even made the tournament at all or did. And I, I would be shocked if they had a five above 500 record. So I'm not considering them. Sorry. Alex gonna is going to be sliding into your DMs. Hey, listen, I'm going to be, I'm going to be real. And Alex is probably going to be very happy when th- that it, it proves me wrong. Um, Bemidji, I, sorry, Lucas. I, I don't, I mean, th- it's a toss up the same thing, but if there's any school that can do it, and obviously St. Thomas can't, it's going to be. Can beat Wisconsin yeah, though. Be. Yes. Yes. It's going to be Wisconsin. It's going to be so. the Huskies. Hey, you can't play Augustana every weekend. That's oh. all I'm saying. <laughs> True. Max, I'll give you the last word. Uh, who is it? And uh, it might pain you or maybe cause some tears in your eyes, but tell me it's the Huskies, right? I do, unfortunately, believe it is the Huskies. They had the most consistency from last year to this year. They've got a lot of returning players that are big and talented, and they've got new ones that are relatives, and they just have this pipeline of of good quality players coming through there. 
They're hungry. Um, they they played close last year, and I think it was the the Gophers' talent that kind of outplayed and outweighed the the Huskies' um, play style and physicality in the last couple of games. There, um, I don't know that Minnesota has that this year. I think they do have a an, an incredibly talented college hockey team for what it is. It's not on par with what it was last year, and I'm not saying they needed that to get to the national title last year, but uh, I think they do have a, a tougher tougher path to get there if they want to make it back to that national championship game. Whereas I think St. Cloud, if they play the same that they did last year with these same guys, roughly, uh, I think they've got a really, really good shot to make that that frozen four and potentially a national title game. So with that being said, Veach gets the last word. And that means we are done here on the (laughs) first episode here for MNCAA for the 2023-24 season. A little bit of a different style coming up for this year as well. We'll be splitting up our groups, not by team, but by conference. So we're going to be doing fewer segmented type things and more open discussions just because, well, we, we want to make sure we spread the hate. Sorry, love. Um, here are on the college hockey scene. So for everybody here in this chat, including Marissa Voss, who is already in the Batcave and already trying to get her way out of this. Where is she? Yeah, I know. That girl's sitting up right now. <laughs> get, a, get a look way down, just so you know. Five foot one is a long way down. But anyway, I digress from that. For everybody here, I'm Nick Max, and stay tuned next week for our latest MNCAA. And always make sure you follow us on X now at MN underscore NCAA. Join us for another week in the den of Huskies Warming House podcast action. Nick and I don't just work the MNCAA scene. We have our own show, too, with new episodes every week. Find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and everywhere you enjoy your favorite hockey podcasts. If you can find the Soda Pod, you can find us there, too, along with CenterizeView.com and Huskies Illustrated.